Welcome to the audio ministry of Love Foundation Christian Center, a place to find God's love. Pastors Osage and Bridget Airboard teach the word with simplicity and truth. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message inspires and encourages you. Enjoy the message. Faith 101. Faith 101. Let me see if I can find my... Um... <laughs> Faith 101, that bad thing is never God. That bad thing is never God. And one of the things that Pastor said, I said as I were going back to the basics of faith. Amen. So we're going back to the basics of faith. We're going, we going to get stronger Amen. in understanding faith Amen. so that we can walk by faith the way that God has said that we should. And not just, you know, have the wrong mindset about Anything. You know, pastors spend a lot of time talking about the way we think, mattering a lot. And this applies to everything because it's what you you think, the way you are thinking about the things that you are believing for will determine what you actually receive, whether you actually get your results or not. Amen? So I'm going to be saying some very serious things today. Praise the Lord. The Word of God is always serious. You know, but it's sometimes some things that we don't even realize, some things that we ignore, some things that may be hurting us without us even realizing it. And we want to really bring it out and look at some of these things. First of all, put up James chapter 1, verse 17. With the time that we have, I, I may just wanted us to look at a lot of scriptures, but I may have to cut that down a little bit. I believe that the Spirit of God will be ministering to us. Because that's what always happens if you if you're attentive and you're believing him. When the word is going forth, you will get more than the preacher is able to give. Amen. All right. James 1.17. The Bible says that every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so one of the things I want to establish that God is a good God. That anything that is good is of God. And anything that is bad is not of God. Praise the Lord. I want to hear a louder amen. Anything that is of God is good. Or anything that is good is of God. And anything that is bad is not of God. Praise the Lord. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, and we're going to be looking at this over and over again, is because we're going to have to renew our mind about that. Because somewhere, somewhere deep down on the inside of, unfortunately, too many believers, they still don't understand just how good God is. And my faith and my prayer is this season that we're going back into faith 101, or the basis of faith, as Pastor is teaching, is that we'll begin to get a fresh revelation, or should I say a deeper revelation and understanding of the goodness of God. The goodness of God is a manifestation of God's love for us, and it is pure. There is no badness in it. God does not have a bad side. He does not have a dark side. He does not have that bad guy side. I know that some women like to marry bad guys. Well, God has none of that. He's good all the way, and he does good stuff. All right, so um, Psalm, put up Psalm 34. We'll read from verse 8 to 10. Psalm 34. 
Hallelujah. The Bible talks about the, that we should taste and see from verse 8. The Bible says we should taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack, and they suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good. Well, the, the, the King James says, as the thing there too, but when you really look at it, it's just good, period. Amen. And I had the media download Young's literal translation because I want us to, we're going to go in there a little bit um, and look at some things because many times, one of, some of the things about our modern translations, now King James is pretty good, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying that as we get to study these things deeper, let's check the translations we are using. And one of the ways that you can know when you read something, the Spirit of God is right there with you to tell whether or not there is something wrong with this. And so you need to look deeper. Because sometimes some of the modern translations, what they do is they interpret. But there are certain translations that you get that what they actually do is they translate. They try to interpret according to what they think the scripture is saying. But God didn't ask. He's, we're not looking for what they think. We want to know what God said. Amen? And so if you read some of this translation, you'll find out that there's no thing. It says, you, we shall put up the youngs. Let's just look at that. It says that you shall not want for any good so god doesn't want us us or want us to want for or lack any it's not just things now but good so that means that our life will be good we'll produce some good things will go well for us we'll be a blessing we'll be good so he says that when we when we trust in god we will not lack any good hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. glory to god so put just go to verse 10 jump to verse 10 I know this, this, this is one of these. It might be challenging for you to read when you begin to read this because it tries to translate. That's why it says Young's literal translation. He wanted to say exactly what God was saying literally. It says, Young lions have lacked and been hungry, and those seeking Jehovah lack not any good. Hallelujah. All right, let's look at Genesis 1. 31, the Bible tells us that when God created everything, he looked at everything that he created and he said what? That it is good. So God made you perfect. I know that many times this is one area that, and, and we need to recognize the enemy in all of these things. Don't join people in saying nobody's perfect. You know I'm not perfect. You know we are not perfect. These are lies. And we're going to look at them square in the face from now on. We're going to begin to call them as they are. If you catch yourself saying things that are contrary to God's word, you better turn it around. Because at the end of the day, it could be hurting you somewhere else. God made us perfect. Everything that he made, when he finished, he looked at it and he said, wow, this is good. And so when we have that mindset that God made us to perfection, what is going to happen is that we're going to be pulling on, we're going to be reaching for that perfection that is on the inside of us. But when we begin to give ourselves excuses that nobody is perfect, guess what? We begin to make excuses to do bad things. 
to say wrong things, to hang out with wrong people. After all, I'm just a man. No, 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 you are not just. I know those of you around here understand that. And it's time. God is calling us to step up to the responsibility of the word that he has given us. Amen. And the Bible says that he made all these things and he said, And God said all that he had done, and lo, very good. And there is an evening, and there is a... <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> the six. Don't worry, I'll tell you when to put up the literal translation because... <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's quite a mouthful. Amen. So he said that it is... And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Put up Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6, the Bible tells us about God being a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible says here that, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God, talking about faith 101 now, when you come to God, you are coming to God, you are believing God, you have to believe that he is existence itself. That he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You do not save God for nothing. God rewards with good things. Amen? Amen? And so you have to believe who he is, who he says he is. You have to believe that God is alive and well. And that's the reason why when we believe this, there's no... We won't be like, where is God? Where is God? Where was God? That will never come out of our mouth. Those are curse words. God is all around us. He's on the inside of us. Amen? And if you want to look some more, he says he inhabits our praises. So if you're looking for God, begin to praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're not sure he's on the inside of you, but he is there. And so God wants us to, to confront some of these lies today. Major lies that can hamper our faith and even attract evil is that um, God causes bad things to happen sometimes. I put a list. Didn't want to put it put it in my note down there. Just want to write it here because quite a few. Some lies that I believe knowingly and unknowingly, because we have wrong wrong believing and thinking usually show up in people's words and in their attempt to explain what they don't understand. If you don't understand something, don't try to explain it with your natural mind, trying to put God in a place that he's not. Number one, they say, God caused it to teach me something. God made it this thing happen to teach me something. God has other ways of teaching. And Jesus has told us that he, the Holy Spirit was sent to us to guide us into all truth. Okay? Now, you went through something and you learned something. Does not necessarily mean that God caused it so that you will learn it, so that you will learn something from it. He could have taught you some other way. All right. God needed another angel in heaven. I hear that one a lot. When young children die. They are trying to explain what they don't understand. They're like, what did this innocent child, what happened? God needed another angel in heaven. 
That's not scripture. Human beings were not meant to be angels. We're meant to be sons of God. Angels are our servants. So it will be a demotion for God to take somebody which he will not kill somebody and then go make him an angel. God doesn't lack like that. Hallelujah. And so this is, this is important because many times people have tried, some well-meaning preachers have tried during funeral services or even maybe not just the preachers, people that are around them, and they will say to them, you know, God did this. And, this. and I've, I had a belie- an unbeliever, somebody said that to him and he cursed God. If this is the God you serve, I don't want him. Taking my child, I don't want him. So they thought they were doing God a favor, trying to explain stuff. But actually, they were telling this person that God is a bad God. That he kills babies. Or he kills, causes accidents. Now tell me the good in mutilation. And loss of limbs and loss of this. And destruction. See, God made that accident happen. Because, no. They say God knows what he is doing. I've heard that a lot. Is 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 a is is a very subtle one. When things are not going well, they don't understand, and it's even negative. God knows what He is doing. We need to watch out for those things. Those things are attributing bad things going on to God, knowingly and unknowingly. Is a way of thinking. So you better we have, and God is saying to us that we need to watch these things because it can affect our faith. Then God is in control of everything. That's another popular one. I know, I know, I know I'm, I'm slaughtering some sacred cows here. God is in control. There's even this nice song. I used to like singing it. God is in control. I know it sounds very nice. But God is not in control of everything. Like somebody said, if God was in control of this world, then he's making a mess of things. And they say, oh, God is in control of everything. People actually really believe and say that. And they say, oh, so I'm thinking to myself, so he's in control of the junk food you ate this morning. He controlled you, controlled you, made you go into your your pantry. And he controlled you while you were eating and made you overeat everything. So these these are lies that we need to watch out for. God is not in control. The way that people are talking about, he's in control of everything. All right. Then you find that even in the world, when tornadoes and storms and all kinds of things, acts of God. So when it's an act of God, you can get out of that contract. They call it acts of God. These are destructive elements. When God made things, he did not make tornado. Tornadoes and things that destroy are a perversion of the things that God made. The lion and the lamb were meant to walk together side by side. Lion was not supposed to be eating the lamb. Thank God we are going to get back there again where the lion will eat grass. If they are, don't know where they are going to be eating grass, but glory to God. That accident 
that death, the accident, that death was for a purpose. Broken bones, agony, what's that? The only death that had a purpose was that of Christ. And God was not even the one that killed him. I know that we have those renderings and things like that, but the Bible talks about the fact about the wisdom of God. The enemy was set up bad. The Bible says that had the rulers of this age known, they would not have killed the Lord of glory. I want us to lay some of these foundations and look at some of these things. Now, I may not say everything here, but as you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, there are certain words that are going to come, certain thoughts that you have been so used to. When they come up, you need to catch it quickly and shut it down. Because these things are anti-faith. They are anti-faith. Because sometimes when it happens, it's like there's this thing going on. Things happen, begin to fear and panic. The reason why people fear and panic is that there's a wrong thinking about the goodness of God. Because if you are really sure about God, fear and panic will not take hold of you. So it's coming from wrong thinking and wrong way that we are seeing the things of God. Amen? So you can put, up, put down 1 Corinthians 2, 8 and look at it later where he talks about that. So, um, so, so this is another one now. That's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. God made me this way. God made me this way. I was, or I was born this way. Deformed, bad behavior. Maybe you're a homosexual, serial killer. God made me this way. That's just an excuse. Born a particular way and being made a particular way is not the same thing. It's not the same thing. God made you perfect. You may have been born in, in a certain way that is anti-God. Yes, it's possible. Why is it possible? Put up Luke. Luke chapter 1. Let's look at verse 15. Because spirits are able to influence in the womb. So you can, there's, there can be a positive influence of the Holy Ghost, get filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb, or demonically influenced in the womb, depending on the access. And, and this was uh, God talking now about John the Baptist. He says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. So yes, it is possible to be influenced before you were born. But God made you perfect. Amen? So, we're not going to be saying, oh, that's just the way I am. No, no, no. Once it's negative, change it. You can change it. It can be changed. It can be fixed. If we don't accept it as if God did it. Because if God does something, who are you to fight God? You can't resist. You can't resist. And one of the things that God said, and God is good, because he, 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 sometimes people are like, oh, they were born, deformed, and things like that. So it's not, you know, what would you say now? It wasn't their sin and things like that. Sin, we live in a sin-infested world. The nature of sin is in operation. And God said to them in the Old Covenant, he would, he would not allow the priests to be deformed to serve before him. 
He would not allow them to bring deformed animals before him because he did not want to be associated with sickness, with disease, with anything that was less than the best. He did not want to be associated with perversion because all of that is the perversion of the good thing that he had made. And he will not have any of it. And neither would we. Amen. Neither should we. Amen? So, he doesn't, he, he, we serve a good God and we must settle this. It's not enough to come to church and say, God is good and shout his mercies endures forever. Deep down on the inside, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe in the goodness of God. Now, I was going to talk about this later on, but who knows how far we'll go with this today. I just want to say this here. The fact that man has on the inside of him is scripture. The Bible says that man devises evil. That's the reason why he can commit and do evil things. Because of that nature, especially those who are not born again. Okay? But God has no such nature. This is something we need to know. God is not a man like you and I. Man, this, the nature of man was perverted. God is, is he's perfect in all his ways. The Bible says that iniquity, God even made Satan perfect. God did not create the devil. Satan created the devil. When Satan was made by God, he was made perfect. If we have some time, we'll look at the scripture. He was beautiful. Musical instruments, everything. But then he wanted what was not his place. That's the reason why he's so jealous of you and I. That's the reason why. The Bible says that he was beautiful until iniquity was found in him. Because of the creative ability and nature of man, because of free will, Man has the ability to create like God. And Satan had that. As an angel of God, he had the choice. And he made the choice for iniquity. So, that's why we, have to, we, we, need, to, we need to understand these things. When we are looking at the things around, we need to understand how God made man. That God made man in his image, in his likeness, with abilities, and then he gave us free will. With free will, we can do quite a bit. And unfortunately, some have chosen to devise evil. Things, even unimaginable things, man has the ability to come up with these things. But that was not how man was made, that God made him a certain way. He made it. But one of the things about these things is that the enemy likes to do bad things and blame God. That's how you know very quickly when you are walking in a wrong manner. When you are looking for who to blame. You blame your wife. You blame your husband. When you are looking at when, when the enemy begins to get you into the blame game, you better run away very quickly. Hallelujah. So we were, we were, there's nothing bad in God, and so we need to watch out 
for this thing. Now, the list goes on, but we're not going to take the time to go there. Now, where did all of these mindsets come from? Where did all of these things come from? Why? Why is all of these things the way that it is? Why do believers hold on to it even when they say God is good? They say it with their mouth, but they say God is good with their mouth, but they still hold on to these kind of things that maybe God caused it. When things happen, say, well, you know, God knows what he's doing. Maybe, you know, instead of thinking, you devil, I'm going to deal with you. You take your hands off my property. Take your hands off my family. They start looking at God. And that is exactly what the enemy wants. But we are wiser than that. Amen? It's number one. The reason why is because they are making the choice to believe the lie. Faith is a choice. What you believe is a choice. So all of these lies, one of the reasons why believers are holding on to it is that they are making the choice to believe the lie. Number two, there is a blindfold. This is in scriptures. The Bible tells us about the fact that the enemy blinds the eyes, but that's not an excuse because that blindfold can be taken away in him. Amen? Amen? Number three is their inability to explain certain experiences. They have certain experiences, and instead of owning up to the fact that, well, I don't understand what is going on, or maybe I missed it, or the devil did it better, <laughs> they now try to start explaining things and say, it's God. So it's their unwillingness to admit that they may have missed. That's number four. Okay, number three is their inability to explain certain circumstances, certain experiences. Number four, their unwillingness to admit that they may have missed it. And that's one of the reasons why the Bible says, humble yourself and God will lift you up. Because if you don't humble yourself and say, Lord, maybe I missed it, rather than, uh, than, than saying, God, you did it, you will never be lifted up out of that place. You, the person will keep finding themselves round and round in the same circle. And that's why God says that we should humble ourselves under his mighty hand and he will lift us up. Amen? Amen. So the concept is, is, this concept is blatantly preached even in churches. And we'll see some of the scriptures that are used. Even in churches that is not preached, there is a subtle belief, knowingly and unknowingly. So even when it's not being preached from the pulpit, Sometimes, even among the congregation, at the end of the day, pastors preach a good message. They are still talking all that stuff that is anti the scripture. So, one of the blatant things that are preached is in Job 13, 15, where it says, Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Self-righteousness. So, in other words, they are saying, Ah, God is dealing with me. God is... is causing all these things, but are we still praise him even in the midst of all of this, like they are better than God. That's self-righteousness. See, though God is doing all, all of these bad things, I will still praise him. I know, it sounds very good. Oh, though he slay me. Now, if you say, though the enemy is dealing with me, and even though the enemy is dealing with me, I will not turn my eyes away. I will keep praising God. And devil, you can't stop my praise. You have been dealt with and things like that. Pray, but they say, that's what Job was there. He was saying, you can put it up, Job 13, 15. He says, though God slays him, yet will he praise him. Because one of the things that he failed to realize is that Job did not have the, the information, the knowledge that we have now. He didn't know what was going on. So he thought God was doing everything. 
And that's what happens many times in the, in the old covenant. They see darkly, but we have no excuse. We have the Holy Spirit and we, are, we have powerful preachers. Glory to God. We have this, the New Testament that is telling us what was meant in the Old Testament. Amen? So that's the scripture there. So some of these things are preached as if it's, 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 it's scripture. Now, it's as if it's, it's, it's about God. Amen? It's right. As if it's right. Now, put up 2 Corinthians 3.6. Let's look at that. So there's some misunderstandings and, and certain things that are, that are being ignored in, in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.6. Let's see what is there. It says, Who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Amen? And so we cannot just look at things like that. We have to get the revelation of what is being said or what is happening or what is being done. Amen? It's not just about the law now. We are in the place of grace. So there's, there's, there's dual meaning in that. Now put up Job 1. Let's read from verse 1 to 8. I think we may read this in the literal translation because this is another scripture. And the reason why I'm going through some of these scriptures is that we're trying to debunk some of these things. Really look at this because the people look at it and they are confused. This is in scripture. Is that not what is going on? That's why we have the Holy Ghost on the inside. Hallelujah. And that's why we need to look at all the other scriptures that God is saying, I'm a good God. I do not change. Evil is not from me. This is where it's coming from. This is where it's... So the, the few ones that they see cannot talk that. So what did I say in the... From verse 8... Is that a Young's literal? Yes. All right. And Jehovah saith unto the adversary, Has thou set thy heart against my servant Job? Do you notice the difference here? If you read the other translation, what does it say? It says, God said, Have you seen my servant? It was as if it was God that was starting the fight. But God recognized that now the devil is after Job. So he's calling Job on it. So, okay. Are you after, he's calling the devil on it, you are after Job. And if we read further, and I'm sure that we already know that some of these things have been explained and taught here too before, is that Job actually gave access. He had already given access by some of the things that he was doing, his fears, you know, and things like that. But let's just read this. It says, And Jehovah said unto the adversary, Has thou set thy heart against my servant Job, because there is none like him in the land? A man, a man perfect and upright. This is God talking about a man. Hallelujah. Even with some of the ex, uh, mistakes that he was making. Glory to God. A man, uh, um, where are we? Because, okay. Has thou said I had against my servant Job because there is none like him in the land? A man perfect and upright, fearing God and turning aside from evil. And the adversary answered Jehovah and said, For not is Job fearing God. Has not thou made a hedge for him and for his house and for all that he had round about? The work of his hand thou hast blessed, and his substance hath spread in the land. And yea, put forth, I pray thee, thy hand, and strike against anything that he hath. If not, to thy face he doth bless thee. He doth bless thee. And Jehovah saith unto the adversary, Lo, 
All that he had is in thine hand. Only unto him put not forth thine hand, and the adversary goeth out of the presence of Jehovah. Now, why could why could Job not? Why could the devil not touch Job? Because Job's heart was toward God. It was righteous. Hallelujah. Now, for some of the, some of the other things, well, he had given access, but his heart had kept. God, so the devil had no access to him. His heart had he stayed on God, so the devil has no access to his life. And said, God said to him, His life you can't touch. Are we getting this? Are we getting this? Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. So Job was righteous. He feared God. He was sold out to God. That we can see as much as he could see, even in the old. Um, Testament. Because guess what? A, a born-again man can die sick. A born-again man may lose his stuff. But that is not going to change the fact that he will go to heaven if he stays in faith with God. Amen? So, One of the things that I said that we were talking about is misunderstood scriptures, which is a biggie. Misunderstood scriptures is the reason why sometimes people are thinking the way that they are thinking. And like we said, it's many times also the fault of the translators who are attempting to interpret what they think it is saying, rather than going back. And so I know that some of these things, sometimes you may need to go back. Maybe we have to start learning Hebrew and Greek too. Praise the Lord to see some of these things in their deeper meaning. Because I'm telling you that there's much, thank God for the Holy Ghost. There's much we are missing. There's much we don't know. But I thank God that we are able, even with the, with the little that we have, man, we can really give God glory and live in victory to the zenith because of the help of the Holy Spirit. Put up Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. This is another highly misunderstood scripture. Some of the reasons why people are having wrong and, and some of the way that people talk about God. And I was really, really uh, shocked when I there was, a, there was a translation that I had read that I was like, what? But anyway, <laughs> okay, we're back to this. Um, that's okay. Lo, it is our God whom we are serving, is able to deliver us from a burning fiery furnace, and from thy hand, O king, he doth deliver. And lo not, be it known to thee, O king, that thy gods and that thy gods we are not serving, and to the golden image thou hast raised up, we do, we do no obeisance. Okay, interpretation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We, we, do we know this scripture? We know when they were, the, the Hebrew boys were being thrown into the fire and there was a question that was asked. There were two questions actually that was being asked. And the question is, this less is your God. Who is this God that will save you? And we're going to throw you into this burning fire, um, the firing furnace, you know. This scripture many times is usually say, if you read it, even I think even if you read it in the King James uh, Version, it says that, Okay, this one says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, 
Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, this is very interesting. Because people say this, that our God is able to deliver us, and he will. But even if he will not deliver us, we still will not say bow. Now, that is dumb-dumb. If they throw you inside the burning fiery furnace, you'll be burnt to crisp. So who is going to be asking you to bow? They don't think like that. You'll be, you'll be, if he throws you in, you say if he throws us in, we still will not bow. If they throw you in, you'll be toast. So he's actually saying our God is able to save us and he will. And king, we are not bashful to answer you about this matter. If you don't throw us in, we still will not bow because we're not begging you. We're not trying to say, please don't throw us in. Because if you don't throw us in, we will not bow. Let's tell you now. If you throw us in, our God will deliver us. He's able and he will. Because sometimes people believe that God is able, but they are not sure if he will. You all, we need to believe that he will. Amen. And be strong on it. Amen. Amen. Now, this, this, the funny, the, well, that's why we say, I said that we need to really watch some of our translations. Put up the Amplified Classic. This is one of our favorites. Look at what the Amplified Classic said. Verse 17. Hallelujah. It was quite shocking. If our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace. Do you see that? He said, if. If, what does that even mean? If our God whom we serve is able, if he is able, he's able. There's no if. So that's why Jesus said to us that the spirit of God is our teacher and he will guide us into all truth. He's able to save us. And we are not, we thank God for these things, we thank God for what we have, but we need to rem- we need to know who we are depending on. The spirit of God on the inside. But I'm not saying that you shouldn't read the Bible. Because you know, sometimes we can take it and go to the other deep end. That, uh, that's not what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I know that you're not you're not thinking that that's what I'm saying. Amen. But I'm saying that there are some things that you see and immediately detect that man has made some faux pas. Praise the Lord. You need interpretation of tongues for that one. And some translations have the decency to use italics when they make additions. You know, sometimes you have King James Version, like for example, now it says concerning spiritual gifts. You find out that the spirit in, is it 1 Corinthians 12? He put the gifts in italics because that was not in the original rendering. It's just basic concerning spiritual spirituals. So we talk about spiritual matters and things like that. Amen? All right, so let's. So we've, we've looked at that and um, we're looking at why sometimes people are thinking like that. And the reason I'm saying all of these things is because we have to be able to be, you know, as we are walking, as we are doing things, we need to be being led by the Holy Ghost as well. Praise the Lord. You don't just take everything and just run away with it. You need to look at what the Holy Spirit is saying. And, and we're saying to you many times, we say, look, we're not just telling you what we think. Look for it in the Word. Look for it in the Word. So if we come and tell you anything, you can't find it in the Word, 
you don't, you're under no obligation to take it. Praise the Lord. So the Bible says that um, the devil is going around, First Peter 5, 8, it says he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's the one who devours, not God. He's the one who destroys, not God. So anywhere you see any form of destruction, whatever way, form, or shape, you know that is the devil. Because even parking space, you're trying to get a parking space, somebody enters your front, some will be thinking, oh God, what did I do that I missed this parking space? Get another parking space! Hallelujah! Because there is this condemnation mentality. You stub your feet. Oh man, I stubbed my feet. I shouldn't have stopped my feet. That shouldn't have happened to me. Maybe, maybe, and they're thinking, what oh, did God? No, 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 no. It's not God that did it. You weren't looking where you were going when you stopped your feet. And if anything, you want to say, you just declare the word. Speak healing to your feet. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And one way that he tries to devour is with wrong thinking, wrong mindset. And this is so important because we do not want to attract the evil that he's, he wants to give by thinking that God is the one doing it. And we cannot fight properly if we think that it is God. Why does God not just stop it? That's a very popular one. Why does God not just stop it? Is he not God? Free will. Free will. And we all like the free will. Because people are very say, you want to control me, you want to control me. I want to do what I want to do. Then they say, why does God not stop it? Hello. Some people say, oh God, just take control, take control. I don't want to do it, just take control. No. How many people will take control? You should come and take control. How many people will tell somebody to come and take control of their husband? Come and take control of my children. I can't handle this anymore. Mommy, daddy, I'm married now, but this is just too hard. Come and take. No, what they will do, they will advise you. They will help you from time to time. But you are stuck with those children and that husband and that wife. You have to, you can't do it. That's what God says. He's not going to go take it over. He has put what is on the, he has, he's on the inside of us. He has given us the ability to handle it. The Bible says the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth has he given to the children of men. Rule. And the good thing about it is that he has stopped it in Christ. So our job is to enforce it. Enforce it. But the enemy is going, to, going around trying to make you think that it's not already done. But it is what? Already done. Hallelujah. So, we have free will and we can choose. We can either choose right. Okay, true, okay. true, free, will, free, true free will is that your right to choose is not infringed upon in any way. Your right to choose, God will never. God will protect your right to go to hell. If you choose hell. The consequences of sin, he will protect your right. It's all part of free will. And these are the things that we need to understand about the justice of God. He, ha- he cannot lie for you. He cannot change for you. Otherwise, he will cease to be God. 
He has to be who he is. And the choices that you make, the consequences, you face the consequences based on the choices that you make. But he said to us, he said, I said before you life and death. He says, choose life that you may live. He's not going to infringe on that right. Then this is another one. How can a good God send people to hell? Now, all of these things are things that, 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 that are as said to create doubt in people's minds. But we are wise. God does not send people to hell. People send themselves to hell. He said, choose. Hell was not made for human beings. Do you know that? Hell was not made for humans. But if you associate with the people that it was made for, with the spirits that it was made for, if you join yourself to them, you will follow them there. That's just simply what it is. Put up Matthew 25. We'll read verse 34 and 41. So it's, it's going to hell is a choice that individuals make. And they try to blame God that God is sending people to hell when he has already made a way for them not to go to hell. So they chose the path to hell. They say, God sent me. So there's a, there are two roads. You're walking on the road to hell and you say, God sent you. When the road to heaven is free and open for you to walk. The Bible says, then shall the king say unto them on his right. You can read the other parts. Praise the Lord. We know the scriptures, right? Then shall the king say unto them on his right, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah, right? Time of judgment, those that are staying with God, he says to them, Come and inherit this good stuff. Now go to verse 40, 41. You can read the good, other good stuff later. He says, Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, unto everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. He didn't say go to everlasting fire that I prepared for you. He said prepared for the devil and his angels. But you have to go there because of the justice of God. And we should be happy that God sends people who choose the devil because otherwise we're going to be living with them forever. The devil and his cohorts. And they, they can make life miserable. Some are already attempting upon the earth we thank God for what we have. There are some people who are living like hell on earth because of other people. But a time will come that it has to end completely. And if they don't change, unfortunately, that's where they are going. Because God will not have his loved ones, you and I, to live forever with bad people and bad spirits. That's the justice of God. So no more asking the question. If somebody asks you that question, let them know. It's their choice. Show them scriptures. God says choose life. Amen? Amen. All right, let's look at one that is very blatant again. Isaiah 45 verse 7. We will start with the King James Version and then we'll go to Young's literal translation. Hallelujah. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Like, Pastor B, what have you been telling us? Look at it, I told you. I, the Lord, do all these things. Hallelujah. Let's read it again. 
I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Please put up the Young Literals translation. Because some of these things are, are part of translations and some of these things are part of a misunderstanding of certain things. Praise the Lord. Now, while we're looking at this thing, keep in mind, um, keep in mind that uh, the um, hell was prepared for the enemy, okay? Forming light and preparing darkness. Can you see the two different words? Forming light and preparing darkness. Making peace and preparing evil. I am Jehovah doing all these things. What does that mean? This, is, this means, this, is, this, this makes a whole lot of difference. So in other words, God forms the light. He creates the light. He didn't say, you know, when looking at this literally. But he prepares for evil. He had to prepare the repercussion for evil. He does these things. Hallelujah. I know that it's going to take some time to sink in. But we need to see that from the foundation of the world, God did, where was it? Where did he say, where did he say that he, he created it? When the Bible says that in the beginning was the, that, that, that there was darkness everywhere, and then God began to speak, and he said, let there be light, and he began to shift things. But because of the evil and everything, he has prepared what needs to be done. He has told darkness where to go. You see, God is, God is he's, a, he's meticulous. He, know, he plans. He knows how to handle the things he's God. Praise the Lord. And so when we're looking at these things, we need to have an understanding by the Holy Ghost and be able to see through some of these things that he did not create it just like we see as it's being translated or interpreted but he actually prepared for it. He made provision to deal with it. Hallelujah. Let's read Ezekiel 28. I put some of that. I told us that we're going to look at it, and this is important for us to see. I know it's quite a bit chew on, but it is important for us to be able to understand some of these things. There's no, there is, there, see, as I, as I began to study, I was like, wow. I realized that there were certain mindsets that I had about God. I actually now began to see God has no nature. God's nature, that is not part of it. <laughs> Ezekiel, did I tell you the verse? 28 from verse 14 to 15 and 17. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee also, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon, excuse me. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Turn, go to verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. 
Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee into the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Hallelujah. So when, when the, the justice of God, you know, sin has been judged. Sin has been judged. And what we don't realize is that what is holding things back is the mercy of God. And this should always be at the forefront. Instead of thinking that God is the one causing trouble, we need to know that if not for the Lord, where would I be? I believe it's Psalm 124. He says, had it not been for the Lord. So the mercy of God is holding back. And that's why the Bible even talks about the fact that because of us here on earth, that's why this earth is not yet completely destroyed. Our presence here is holding back the total destruction of this earth because of you and I. But a time will come when we will be taken away and evil will have its free reign. So the Bible says that the enemy is going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Sin has been judged. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. And God will not change that. But what he has done was that he brought mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. So it is mercy that is using to withhold these things. God takes no pleasure. As a matter of fact, God is not looking forward to judgment. Some people think God is just looking forward to judgment. God wants to judge me. God, No, and every time things happen, God is judging, God is judging. Sin has been judged. So the things that are being happened now, the devil is just happy to carry out what he wants to do. So actually, is the devil is doing what he wants to do. What sin produces. You know, God is light. You know, when a fire is raging, after a while, when there is nothing for it to burn, it will burn out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. That's what happens when the enemy comes against the mercy of God in your life. The people who are affected are the people who have the things of Satan. Jesus said, the enemy came and he found nothing in me. Unbelief is Satan's stuff. It is Satan's stuff. That's why we have to be completely in faith. So we see from this scripture that God made Satan good, but he became bad. Can something good become bad? Free will, choice. There can be a choice to become bad. So again, I'm saying it over and over again deliberately. God does not have any evil to give. He said every good and perfect gift comes from God. He doesn't have evil to give. And I pray that the, that the Lord will open our eyes to see. And I'm asking God to show me even more some of these things. God doesn't have evil to give. All right. When we see, so that means that corruption, destruction, and all this perversion is not in God's control. 
like people like to think, like to believe. And if you see Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where the, we can, you can put it up where the Bible begins to talk about God was grieved. Why would God be grieved with iniquity that he created? That would be unjust. He didn't. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And I think the next verse, let's see what it says in the next verse. And it repented the Lord that he had made him, he had made man upon the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Wickedness grieves God. God cannot judge wickedness and he cannot judge evil and destruction if he himself is a destroyer. The reason why he can is because he is not. Hallelujah. God is a righteous judge. Tell somebody, say, God is a righteous judge. You know, sin is perversion. I'm thank God that very soon, God is going to, the Bible says that God is going to make new heavens and new earths. There will be what? New heavens and new earth without all of this mess. But I thank God that right here, right now, we can live above the sin. We can live above every evil work that the enemy tries to throw and bring across man's path. Amen? So the cost, when you look at it, what about the cost? The cost is not God's plan either. And I'm not going to take the time to go to Deuteronomy. I know we see this. Is cost will you be with, cost will you be in this if you do that. Cost will you be if you do that. And he's only telling you what is out there. That's all he's doing. He's telling you this is out there. Hallelujah. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 68, it says, you are good and do good. He says, teach me your statutes. Hallelujah. I like to think about how good God is. And I wrote here, and that's one of the things I just got in my spirit. I said, the reason for much struggle in faith is people can't see the total goodness of God. That's the reason why people struggle with faith a lot. They can't see the total Total. God is totally good. Completely. And no bad thing in him. And the reason why people struggle with faith because they kind of think that maybe God is good sometimes. Maybe he cannot. He cannot. I mean, I better be careful. He cannot. He cannot. He kind of, you know, he, he, he has this dark side to him. Jesus told us very, very clearly he says that a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. God is good. Evil cannot come out of him. He has chosen good. And that will never change. Hallelujah. Look at, let's look at Ecclesiastes 7.29. Let's see, what is it saying in Ecclesiastes 7.29, the King James Version? Lo, this is, lo, this only have I found, that God had made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. 
And it's not just... Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. Let's see what it says in your own literal translation. There, there are other translations that tell... They say they have sought out many devices. They have, shot, they have sought out many devices. They have sought out many... Praise the Lord. Things that are not the way that it should be. But let's go quickly because of time. I wanted to go back. One of the things that I said is that God is not looking forward to sin. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, right? I think it's there. That it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is not looking forward to putting anybody in hell. So put up Exodus 12, 11. This is another difficult scripture. I believe that with this field that we are looking at, when you come across anyone, you should be able to handle it, right? You should be able to handle questions, be able to know that God is a good God totally. And there are some things that you can see. As we read in Exodus, as you read it, remember certain keywords. This was when God was saying to them that he was going to deliver them out of Egypt. And as I was reading this script, this, um, thinking about it again, I just talked about the goodness of God. Do you know how many times God tried to change Pharaoh's mind? How many times that he gave that Pharaoh had opportunities to repent, but he didn't? And his heart was hardened. That's another part again. He says God had in his heart and things. But anyway, that's not what I was led in there. But you, you get the point. <laughs> Praise the Lord. See, what, what, just like I said before, one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that judgment of sin is, is, is around. Praise the Lord. And what God does is that his, his mercy is stopping it. The children of Israel were due for all of the calamity that they, were, that they went through for 400 years under Egypt. And the, the devil was not done yet. The devil... You know, the Bible talks about, it talks about something that when sin is full. So I believe that Egypt, Pharaoh's house, all of those things, sin was full. But it was time for God's mercy for the children of Israel. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. And, let me, and, and another thing we need to remember, God promised Abraham that God, that, that he would take care of his descendants. And from him, all of these good things were going to happen. So God was obligated to take them out of there. And anybody who was ready to follow them would have been saved too. Have you guys watched some of these cowboy movies when the, the good guy, the, the cowboy is, is talking to somebody, maybe not just a cowboy, you know, and all of a sudden he pulls his pistol and then he says, don't move. And the person is like, what did I do? He's about to shoot me. And then he shoots and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm in heaven. And he realized that he just shot a cobra snake that was beside him. <laughs> Judgment and destruction is aiming at sin. And if you are in the way, you are going down. So what God is saying, get out of the way. So God went and he took Israel out of the way because Egypt was going down. Remember they killed all those children because they were trying to kill Jesus? All the calamities that they did on the children of Israel, all those things. Sin has been judged. So the mercy of God went and he made a way. And, and it's interesting when God said kill a lamb, he put the blood, eat the flesh, and that's the word of God that we are looking at right now. That's the blood of Jesus as has been. And he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now look, he says, and thus 
shall ye eat with your loins gathered, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Faith food. Hallelujah. And eat it quickly. Hallelujah. <laughs> eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Let's go on. Where, where should we reach? Let's go to verse 23 because of time. Okay, if I will pass through the, through the land, go ahead, let's, let's just, okay, okay. This one still tells us too. He says, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood upon the, the intel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. Go back to 11. Let's see something there. And thus, is it, let's go to 12, verse 12. Is it 12 I'm looking for? Okay. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of, of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So judgment was in action and God had to get the people out of the way. Uh, if you keep reading, you will discover how he talks about the fact that, let's look at 23, go to 23. I'm just watching the time, praise the Lord. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood upon the intel and upon the two side poles, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer. He said, I will, but he will not suffer the destroyer. Are you getting this? So the destroyer was the one that was doing it. But God passed the judgment. Because he already said it. God and sin cannot dwell together. Hallelujah. But he says, and I will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. And we have to know that this is our promise. That when he sees the blood... Hallelujah. We are protected. That's why we don't need to be afraid of things, afraid of situations, people, afraid of what is going to happen in the economy, afraid of all of this and that and things like that. We don't need to be afraid. We just need to be on the Lord's side. No matter what is going on, always stay on God's side. Whether you understand or you don't understand, always stay on God's side. That is serious wisdom. Any other place, a bomb is about to land. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the enemy is the one doing the destroying, not that God is working with him. Praise the Lord. God does not carve mafias. Amen. God is working with us to avoid the destruction. It's all over scriptures. And those are the scriptures that you need to, to, need to get very familiar with. He's working with us to get away from it. He has done it in Christ. He's helping us by his spirit, showing us the word, encouraging us and things like that. Amen. All right. So God prepared. Remember, God prepared mercy against judgment for us. God has prepared mercy. Hallelujah. Let's see. What else can we look at? <laughs> Let us look at Lamentations 3, verse um, 32 to 33. Probably can't even end here. But let's look at some scriptures very quickly. Um, 
Lamentations 3, 32 to 33. But though he caused grief, yet he will have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. So the justice that happens is not God's desire that any should perish. Praise the Lord. So when you hear the though he caused grief now, you understand it. Do we need to go back again? It, there has to be a basic understanding of these things. So when you are reading it, you, you get to see what is going on. Amen? So that you don't say, oh, God is causing me all these things. He's causing me so that he can change me. Because the Bible says that he does not afflict willingly. His hand is forced in terms of the fact that when you, you enter into, you stay in sin and then you now enter into the judgment and enter some of those things. Now, I was going to end it, but I wanted to put up 1 Corinthians verse 5 in the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Hmm. I think, um, let's see. Let's see what is there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or maybe we'll skip that. Let's see. We'll see verse 5, chapter 5. Okay. Go, let's read from verse 1. And I want to let us know here that grace is ours. Praise the Lord. We have been delivered from sin, sickness, poverty, death. Sin has been judged. We don't need to suffer all of those things. But we need to stay away from sin. And the Bible says that anything that is not done of faith is sin. To him that knows to do good and do it not to him, it is sin. So some of these things now that God is saying to us, unbelief is sin. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality as is not named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not read and mourned. Is that what is going on right now? People are bragging that they are modern Christians. All the, the Bible is outdated. We are modern. Come on. Grace. We can have sex all we want. Come on. Is it, your body is a work of art. Flaunt it. He says, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. But, but God is when God says that you are not guilty. When God says, "Look, you are free. Stay on my side." He's not saying that go ahead and sin all you can. That's not what he's saying. And that's why sometimes it's good like I'm doing now for us to read some of the scriptures in church in this powerfully anointed grace worded. Jesus loves you. His love will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God church. <laughs> Hallelujah. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. In other words, he says you need to discipline. He said, your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavened the whole lump? Don't you understand that when you hang out with sin, you become a part of it? And when you're a part of it, you can get destroyed and you can suffer the consequences. 
as well. He said, therefore, purge out the old living that ye may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Real quick, 1 Corinthians 11. And then he goes on, I think this is when he goes on to talk about the fact that you eat and drink unworthily. Praise the Lord. So you have the word, you know those things, but still you're not. 1 Corinthians 11. Let's read from um, 28 to 31. Hallelujah. Is this good or what? When I... Um, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of... Okay, this is the place. Praise the Lord. I drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Are you guys getting a revelation of this? Praise the Lord. Don't come to church. Praise the Lord. Eating and drinking. Listening to the word. Glory to God. Preach it, pastor. Hallelujah. God is good. And fraternizing with evil. He says, for this reason, many are weak and sick amongst you and many sleep. What is going on now? What is going on? Why is all these things happening to the church? So why does bad things happen to good people? For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop there on that. Revelations 8.14, 18.4. So we walk worthy of our calling by receiving what God did and living in it. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. How appropriate is it for us to remember such scriptures in this time? Don't think that because of the things that are going on around, oh, 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 oh. And I know not just us here, people watching and things like that. The Bible says, make sure you come out from among because things are happening very subtly. You can see how believers are siding. You know, in, when you look at their think it's just about politics. And they are siding with the enemy against God. And we're not looking at just like we're following man. We're not following man. But we are fighting for righteousness. Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You know, Pastor shared that thing that we had shared and saw what they were showing, talking about trying to make certain laws, you know, all these bad laws. I don't need to go into all of them. You all know, right? And uh, I'm sure you saw the WhatsApp message. And somebody had said, sent to Pastor and said, ah, this is political law. I mean, not here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Very clear. Is, was that politics? You have to be blind or depraved. And, and, and you'll be surprised that this is in church. So sometimes when you, we, we hear these things being preached, it's like, ah, don't tell us. We, are, we know we are the righteousness of God now. Sometimes our eyes need to be open to certain things that sometimes we may not even see or know. And it's, it's scriptures anyway, we should know. Praise the Lord. So the Bible says here in Revelations that we should come out from amongst them. A couple of more scriptures. Job was crying. He said, oh, that there were a mediator between me and God. God is not a man, somebody that will stand between me and God to plead my case. But we have that mediator in Christ. He didn't. Thank God we have it. And these are the things that we should rejoice about. Job didn't have that. He didn't even know. Well, see all the things that we know. 
Let's rejoice in it. You can read it later. It's Job 9. You know, but look at, let's read 1 John 2, 1 to 3. My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation of our sins. And not for us only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? Praise the Lord. And the way that you know that you're really saved is that you're keeping God's command. You want what he wants, not what you want. I'm, going to, I'm just going to read this very quick. Meanwhile, please put up Exodus chapter 23, verse um, 22. He said, Abraham's call was not just to change location, but it was called out of darkness to light, out of disobedience to obedience, out of unbelief, or non-belief to faith. That was the only way that God could bless him. So God, when God called Abraham out of his father's house, he was not just saying, come, come change location. He was calling him out of something into something else so that he would have the opportunity to bless him. Call him out of darkness into light. And we are blessed by answering the call. And we need to know that God is an enemy to our enemies. God is not the enemy as we round up with this, I want you to remember that God is not the enemy so that you can fight your battles. You can fight the battles that the enemy brings confidently because the war has already been won. He says, but if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I, then I will be an enemy to your enemy, enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Amen. I want us to pray today. Just, I want, this is a call to come to, not just coming back to God, I know that we are born again, but to come to a deeper and a new level with God. Because great things await us. But God wants us to also do great things here. So just take a minute and just begin to desire a deeper level. Some of us have had some more time with the pandemic and maybe we took it to, to spend time worshipping. But I just see us again taking time out, spending hours in the presence of God. Spending time the way we are so desirous of the, the, the movie, the social media, that instead we'll begin to turn around and begin to just Fellowship with God for, for hours, studying, not even asking him for anything, just fellowshipping. I believe that God is calling us and there is so much. He's inviting, it's not by force. But there is so much more he wants to show you and I. There is so much beauty, so much peace, so much grace in his presence. And God doesn't want us to miss out. So let us hunger and desire for him like our daily food and our daily bread. More than it, let us delight in the love of God, in the, in the word of God. Father, we delight in you. And our prayer, oh God, is that our delight in you grows. Our desire for you grows. We become ravenous for your word. Even much more than anything else. We convert all those hours that we are spending 
wasting on th- other things. You, you, we know you would has told us that you give us all things freely to enjoy. We know. But we choose of our own free will to make you preeminent. To spend more time with you than with some of all these other time wasters where we can grow. And just like you're telling us that we're, gonna, we're going to the top, we know that the way to the top is in your presence. Drinking, learning, hearing, obeying your word. And you cause us to rejoice and to have peace. And we thank you so much for it. As we enjoy this journey, this love relationship before you come for us. Help us, Lord. We want it. We desire it. And you're helping us. We love you so much. And we're going deeper. You're calling us. You're drawing us. We're answering. We're going to answer that call. As individuals, as a church, as the body of Christ, we pray that even as the world looks like it's getting darker, we are going to get more on fire. Yes, you're walking in us, drawing us. Thank you so much. We respond positively, appropriately to that call and that drawing. And may we bring you even more glory than all the years past put together before you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We trust that you are blessed by the message. To listen and hear more, catch us at 1130 on Sunday mornings on YouTube or Facebook at Love Foundation Christian Center. If you have any additional questions or just want to learn more about the church, feel free to contact us at lovefoundcc at gmail.com or visit our website at lovefoundationusa.org. Thanks for listening.